2020 is almost over, and many people are ready to get past this tumultuous year. But before we do, let's take a look at the best memes, trends, and internet challenges that hashtag Taiwan covered in 2020. I'm also going to tell you what became of those internet trends. COVID-19 may have kept people apart physically, but the internet helped keep us together. I'm Leslie Liao, and it's just you and me today. But before we move on, like always, let's take a look at the stories on our radar. Taiwan has reported its first domestic case of COVID-19 since April. A Taiwanese woman in her 30s. The case has been traced to a New Zealand man who works as a pilot for Taiwan's EVA Airways and who has tested positive for COVID-19. When questioned about his recent contacts, the man failed to disclose that he had been with the Taiwanese woman. He now faces a 10,000 U.S. dollar fine and might get fired. The man has also been named as the source of at least two other infections, both pilots who flew with him on a recent cargo flight. The man had reportedly developed a cough but failed to wear a mask. Taiwan's New Year celebrations are scheduled to go ahead, but with face masks required. Health Minister Chen Shih-chung says the events can go ahead because they know the source of transmission for the latest domestic COVID-19 case. However, Taipei Mayor Ko Wenjia has warned that Taipei celebrations could be called off with as little as a day's notice. Healthy troop members from the Moscow Classical Ballet have left Taiwan. Late last week, their planned tour of Taiwan was abruptly canceled after eight troop members tested positive for COVID-19. Taiwan has recorded the first snow of the season on Yushan, its highest peak. A light dusting fell Monday morning as temperatures dropped to minus 3.1 degrees Celsius. The COVID-19 pandemic really changed our lives in a matter of months. Now, wearing masks seems as normal as wearing socks. But when the government first rolled out mask requirements in Taiwan, some parents had trouble getting boys to wear them. The problem was the color. On April 12th, the Central Epidemic Command Center held its daily press conference, and one reporter asked a question which caught a lot of attention and turned a lot of heads. Check it out. So the problem is, young school children, particularly boys, don't really want to wear pink face masks to school because they're afraid they're going to get picked on by their classmates. The way health officials responded to this problem was inspiring. They led by example and wore pink masks during press conferences. Tun's actions rippled outward, and they started a trend in which Taiwanese organizations gave their logos a pink makeover. It's true, pink is the new hotness for 2020, much like neon was in the 90s. But what's more important is that the health leadership actually ignited a campaign to remove the stigma from the color pink. And oh boy, did people jump on that! You have corporations, TV stations, political parties, government agencies, schools, museums, travel agencies, and even your favorite Taiwan news show, rocking pink logos. 
Now that mask wearing is a part of everyday life in Taiwan, you can find them in a huge variety of colors and patterns. And if you're feeling indecisive, you can get one with all the colors. Prevention is the new normal, but when COVID-19 first struck, we were introduced to concepts like social distancing and quarantines. It was a lot to learn in a short period of time, but one Japanese YouTuber rewrote the lyrics to a really catchy pop song to educate everyone on the virtues of practicing proper prevention protocols. Thanks, Sayu, again for letting us use her video. And if you're watching Sayu, I hope you're doing well. We discuss Taiwanese sovereignty a lot in hashtag Taiwan. China claims that Taiwan is part of its territory. Taiwan traditionally claims the opposite. Why? Well, just watch. This week on hashtag Taiwan, I want to talk to you. Well, I want to talk to you about Taiwan. Let's start off with a quick history lesson. Officially, the country of Taiwan is not known as Taiwan. It's actually the Republic of China. Why? This goes back to the Chinese Civil War where both Mao Zedong and Chiang Kai-shek fought for sovereignty over China. Mao's forces pushed Chiang Kai-shek to the island of Taiwan. 
Both sides claim to represent China, which is exactly why you have the Republic of China and the People's Republic of China. That's the very abridged version of that chapter in Chinese history. If you're interested, I urge you to read more. For example, on Wikipedia, where Taiwan's status recently changed from a state to a country. Some have suggested doing away with the name the Republic of China and calling the nation by the name Taiwan. They want the country to forfeit its claim over China and just focus on the sweet potato-shaped island. RTI published a news article this week about how civic groups are calling on lawmakers to emphasize Taiwan on passports and airline names. Back in April, there was an entire movement to change the name of the national air carrier China Airlines to Taiwan Airlines. During the pandemic, Taiwan has donated medical supplies to countries around the world, and people get confused when shipments arrive on planes labeled China. Now, some people have gone so far as to Photoshop what a Taiwan Airlines jet might look like. There was even a crude template of a Taiwan jet circulating online that people could use to color and design their own jet planes with. Transportation Minister Ling Jialong posted these three concepts that use the template. My personal favorite is the bubble tea jet that can fire tapioca balls at a rate which I can only assume is 300 units of deliciousness per minute. This is what a Taiwanese passport looks like. Many people are unhappy with the fact that the Republic of China is emphasized over Taiwan. In fact, people have gotten in trouble in the past for putting stickers on their passports to cover the parts that say Republic of China. One local artist reimagined the Taiwanese passport by overhauling it with a design inspired by what else? Bubble tea. Diplomacy is one area where there is very little wiggle room for your country's name. Your official designation is your official designation. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Taiwan refers to the country officially as the Republic of China, Taiwan. Taiwan is in parentheses afterwards as kind of a way to say this China, not that China. Now, as a Taiwanese person myself, I can understand this all seems a little too confusing. The diplomatic and historical intricacies of Taiwan as a country are very complex, to say the least. Even I don't have a full grasp on it yet. Recently, the government unveiled a design for a more Taiwan-centric passport. The new design emphasizes Taiwan, but it also retains the country's official name, the Republic of China, in Chinese at the top. China Airlines also introduced a new design for its cargo planes. You can see the shape of Taiwan inside the sea of cargo, while China Airlines has been moved to the back of the plane. Some people think a complete renaming is in order. Twenty twenty saw China get more aggressive with both Hong Kong and Taiwan. In Hong Kong, Chinese officials introduced a harsh national security law. Meanwhile, China has ramped up incursions into Taiwanese airspace and waters. Thailand also got pulled into the mix because Chinese netizens were upset that a Thai influencer said she was emulating a distinctly Taiwanese style. China doesn't like it when Taiwan is referred to as its own entity in any way. Internet users from Taiwan, Thailand, and Hong Kong banded together online to form the Milk Tea Alliance to resist Chinese pressure. Thailand, Taiwan, and Hong Kong have banded together and formed the Milk Tea Alliance. The name comes from a mutual like for milk tea, with each place having their own distinct interpretation of the beverage. The Milk Tea Alliance started as a unified pushback against Chinese netizens, but since then, it's evolved into something much more than that. It's caught the attention of Hong Kong activist Joshua Wong, and even the Ministry of Foreign Affairs put hashtag Milk Tea Partnership in a post commemorating a face mask donation to Thailand. When Taoyuan City Mayor Tsun Wenchan donated medical equipment to Thailand, they celebrated the occasion by drinking milk tea. The Taiwanese officials drank Thai milk tea, and the Thai officials drank Taiwanese milk tea. Isn't that beautiful? 
The art surrounding the Milk Tea Alliance is absolutely adorable. You have beverages turned into cartoons or straight up humanized versions of milk tea from each country. Twitter user Sad Sad Potato posted this image. This is a flag apparently of the Milk Tea Alliance with different colors representing the milk teas from the different parts of the alliance. The Milk Tea Alliance turned out to be one of our most popular hashtag segments. Other countries like the Philippines and India also expressed interest in joining the alliance. Plenty of tea to go around, I say. Now, not everyone in Taiwan believes that Taiwan is a country. Take Fannie Lou, for example. She's a Taiwan-born pro-China singer who made a song with anti-independence imagery. Fanny released a video praising China. In the video, a man wearing green, which are colors symbolic of Taiwanese independence, attempts to remove Taiwan from a map of China. Check it out for yourself. Fanny lays the smack down on the guy and goes on to sing China's praises. She lists the Chinese provinces one by one, and then in the end says, Oh, China. Local comedian Brian Tang parodied Fanny's song. Here's how it went. I know, I know, it's a lot to unpack. That's Brian Tang. He is a self-made talk show host in Taiwan, and he has a background in biology and neuroscience. But he's committed himself to a career in comedy, and oh boy, is he good at it. Brian made a parody of Fanny's song, listing off Taiwanese counties instead of Chinese provinces. Brian's music video is a near shot-for-shot remake of Fanny's. It replaces a lot of the lyrics and imagery with Taiwanese equivalents. And don't worry, Brian doesn't leave out the most important part. Now, Taiwan loves Hollywood, but with current travel restrictions, it's near impossible for stars to visit. But that didn't stop actor Joseph Gordon-Levitt from making a splash in Taiwan. He needed pictures of Taiwan for a project, and who answered the call? Believe it or not, Taiwan's mayors. This is the website HitRecord. It is a media platform Levitt founded in 2004. Earlier this week, Joseph Gordon-Levitt posted this to Facebook. Hi, friends in Taiwan. I'm looking for photos of Taiwan for a new project on my site HitRecord. Look through your camera roll, find a cool photo taken anywhere in the country, and add it to the project here. Kiki Shen captured this shot at the 2016 Taiwan Lantern Festival in Taoyuan. People in Taiwan love two things. Hollywood actors and Hollywood actors talking about Taiwan. As of writing, Levitt's Facebook post has over 32,000 likes, 6,600 comments, and 5,600 shares. Lots of people wanted to show Joseph Gordon-Levitt the beauty of Taiwan, but most notably, many city mayors shared their cities with him. 
Here are a few. Deputy Mayor of Taipei City Huang Sansan shows Joseph a picture with the caption, Beimen, Taipei City Wall North Gate has been the front gate of Taipei since the 1880s. It is one of the five gates that has been left behind. It still has its original look. The gate has stood strong for over 120 years and awaits visitors like you to witness its history. Taipei welcomes you. Next, new Taipei City Mayor Ho Youyi uploaded a picture saying, Hi Joseph, as mayor of new Taipei City, I believe our city will definitely be a good choice. Let's check out the park with the longest embankment in Taiwan. The new Taipei Metropolitan Park, an inclusive playground for all, is one of the most popular outdoor playing fields in Taiwan, with slides measuring 800 meters in width, as well as artificial turf for grass boarding. 800 meters in width? That's wider than the river! He must be length. Taoyuan Mayor Zhen Wenchan uploaded this picture and said, Hi Joseph, explore the people, nature, and culture in Taoyuan. Photo taken at Shimun Reservoir, scenic lake view surrounded by stunning mountains and characteristic pavilions. Mayor of Xinzhu City Lin Zijian posted this picture and said, Dear Joseph, this photo was taken in the Xinzhu fishing port where breakwaters, shaped as fish scale stairways, attract countless visitors from far and wide to enjoy the gorgeous sunset and sea breeze there. Looking forward to welcoming you in the not-too-distant future. Taichung Mayor Lu Xiuyan let her picture do the talking for her by simply writing Gaomei Wetland, Taichung. Tainan Mayor Huang Weizhe uploaded a picture of this whale structure and wrote Joseph Gordon-Levitt a whole essay introducing the attraction. We'll have a link to the final project, Lost in Taiwan, in the show notes below. There's also a link to a second video by Gordon-Levitt called Faces of Taiwan, which was published on December 20th. And that wraps up a look at the best episodes of Hashtag Taiwan in 2020. What was your favorite, and what do you think will happen next year? Leave a like and tell me in the comments section below. I'd love to hear from you, man. For Taiwan Insider, I'm Leslie Liao. See you next week for our year-end special. The Sound of the Puyuma Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. Listen! Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds.
Taiwan Today with Natalie So. Welcome to Taiwan Today. I am Natalie So. Some people have decided to move their families to Taiwan during the pandemic to escape COVID-19. And among them are Broadway stars Dina Morishita and Welly Yang. They came from Los Angeles this year, partly because Dina had breast cancer and wanted to do her treatment in Taiwan. Now, Young has family in Taiwan, and the couple share how life has been for them here in Taiwan. I found a group of amazing women. I have several groups of amazing women, but one in particular who um, I work out with that uh, we meet twice a week, and they are the most supportive, beautiful, um, just wonderfully grounded, giving women um, that have just been um, a light in in my life since I arrived here. And uh, I look for, I, I need them. When I don't have, when I don't have that workout with them, when I don't have a dose of, of my garage girls, I get like really moody and not, <laughs> you know, just, I need, I need them. Um, so I do that. I'm, I'm doing some mountain yoga. Climb, mountain climbing. I went mountain climbing. Um, I'm learning Mandarin, which, you know, it's a little rough going. <laughs> um, but you know, we're, we're, we're going out to eat. Um, the kids are, we're, we're, we're going on, on walks and hikes and, and the kids have play dates and, and, um, Daily life is is daily life. It's mm. and it's it's very it's been very easy to just kind of um, acclimate to to life here. Yeah, we've been to a lot of events. Um, we've sung at a bunch of events already, and um, and just uh, yeah, seeing all the people. I've I've started playing tennis again, which I stopped playing um, in LA for quite a while. Um, and and then of course Dina's been having her treatments um, mm -hmm. <laughs> once every three weeks, and and the hospital here has been amazing. Her Xin Yuan, the Ku Foundation Sun Yat Center, Sun Yat Sen Cancer Center, um, they have taken great care of, of Dina, and we're incredibly grateful for to them. But yeah, we've we've. Um, been riding our bikes to school every day, which is super fun. Uh, the school is very close to our house, and uh, and the kids have activities. They have soccer games, and just you know, luckily, you know, we've been very fortunate in our lives that we've been able to take uh, a break from work and from the hustle and bustle of everyday life, and been able to kind of just slow down a little bit and focus on family and kids and. And so also a kind of, I think, an exciting time for us. It's kind of a new chapter in our lives. We've had so many chapters from our performing careers or writing, producing. Dina had, uh, has an interior design firm. I, I developed a lot of projects, uh, real estate projects in Los Angeles. And then I think now we're kind of looking and open to a new chapter in our lives. And, you know, whether it be a return to the arts or yoga. People want Dina to teach yoga. Um, she's, she was, she uh, is like an amazing yoga is. What's the prop? What's the prop? Yogi. 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 Yoga is. Yogi. Yoga is. Yoga is. It's a word I just made up. Yoga um, is. Yogi. She's a great yogi and she's a certified instructor. So yeah, her, her, all her friends are like, can you teach us yoga? Can you teach us yoga? 
So yeah, I just feel like I don't know. Taiwan is like it's it's a new, fresh start in many ways. Now, when you were planning to come here, did you put a kind of a limit on your time you would spend here, or was it open? Before we came, I would say we said definitely we have to go for the for the remainder of the year of the school year.、Mm-hmm. And I kind of dug my heels in and said, "We're only going for one year. We're only going for one year." My family's in California, and they are not. California is not doing well, pandemic-wise,、um, but they are are、uh, they don't want to lose me to Taiwan. <laughs> the family, the, the, the grandchildren, and everything. You know, not that. Yeah, I understand. They would never、that. see us again, but yeah, it, but you know, it's a lot further. Clearly, yeah, yeah, I understand that for sure. I mean, I I have the same experience,、mm-hmm. right? My family, right. In, I guess, in a way, has lost me to Taiwan. Right? No, right. but I mean, we do travel back and forth and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Yeah.、Um, as you're looking at your situation now, do you see how long do you see yourself staying? Could you stay for longer? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> we can、uh, bleep that out for your family if they're watching. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell my mom. <laughs> no, I think it's funny because we want it. it it's it, we're kind of like. It is, you know, I've never lived in Taiwan for this long, and I think for our friends in Taiwan, we want to say like, "No, we're here. We're going to be here." But then our for our friends in LA, we're like, "No, we're coming back." <laughs> so it's like you want to be all things to all people. But the truth is, I think, I mean, when the when the countries open up again, you know, we could certainly have a life that is, you know, is fluid between、mm. um, both countries. But I think、um, definitely we're open to staying longer. We, you know, life is incredibly convenient here. The kids、mm-hmm. love running down to the convenience store. And, <laughs> they、um, have, they've, they've been able to find、um, an independence that that they've never experienced at home in the states. Walking to the grocery store or something like that. I don't even let them walk to the park that's four houses down.、Mm. So here,、um, we just feel so much safer, and they they're able to spread their wings a little bit more, and they. Love that, especially our our son. What do your、uh, friends and family think about your decision to move to Taiwan? When you told them, what did they say? Well, my family, of course, loves it because they're now here, and my mom, you know, just wants us to stay forever.、Um, <laughs> and that's and then my friends in Los Angeles keep telling me, "I hope you realize every day what a great decision you've made,"、um, because it is, and it's it's sad because you don't want to. Kind of show off your life here because you don't want to like rub it in people's faces. But Taiwan has been has done an amazing job and、um, at at controlling this pandemic, and、uh, we just feel so fortunate to be here. But no, our our friends I think are very very happy for us. I mean, a lot of our friends are like, "How do we get there?" Yeah, I mean, I've <laughs> can we come visit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think after. After we kind of came out that we、yeah. had joined the exodus from <laughs> from America, a lot of people reached out to me and asked, "How did you get in? Like, can I go?" And and、um, you know, Taiwan. I we came on a visitor's visa. Since then,、uh, we've been able to get the gold card, which has enabled us to stay longer, thankfully, because I think our ninety days would be up、mm. pretty soon. Pretty hard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now they know where we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So、um, yeah, <laughs> no on TV. So I think yeah, definitely, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now that we have our gold card, we can stay longer. And、um, but yeah, definitely a lot of people are like, how do I, how do I do this? Do you know other people who have followed suit and and are making plans to come? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, a, a few of our friends in uh, the U.S. have applied for the gold card as well. Mm -hmm. um, and there were certainly a bunch of our friends had come here uh, before us. Yeah, and we know a lot of people that either have come already or are, you know, reaching out and trying to come. Mm. But, of course, you know, it is easing up in the United States now, so maybe that will change. But at the same time, I think, um, you know, especially for, like, Taiwanese-Americans, I think that, that want to have, you know, an experience living here, it's, you know, a perfect time. <laughs> There's mm. not really a better time. I want to talk a little bit about your uh, treatment and coming to Taiwan at such a crucial moment in your life. I know uh, getting a cancer diagnosis is there's never a good time for it. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm wondering what your thoughts are about getting a diagnosis during a global pandemic and like kind Ugh. of actually up making the decision to uproot your life and go to a different place and then receive treatment in a place you're not familiar with. Was that I mean, obviously, you were thinking about that for many months before you made the decision? Well, anytime you receive, I, I would say, a cancer diagnosis, it's kind of, you know, just really, the rug comes out from underneath you. We were, we were sheltering in place, and I just remember just really not knowing, you know, what is going to happen now? How, what, how, how do we proceed? Kids aren't in school. What, I mean, and then the, you get the diagnosis and then there's all this time you have to wait to figure out what type of cancer you have, what stage you're at, you know, all the treatment that you're going to have to get. There's just, there's just so many steps and it's just, there's a lot of waiting. So I think just, I really just tried to take it day by day. And then, um, we really tried to keep Taiwan on the table so that do a, I could do surgery here and then maybe finish up surgery in Taiwan. And, and it, it, I wasn't supposed to have to do chemotherapy. So, I mean, that, nobody thought I would need it. So we thought that I would just kind of, you know, do the surgery. And then once I was healed enough, then we would go. Um, and then we just kind of kept getting bits and pieces more, more information. And then uh, the final test came back that um, I would benefit from. And at that point, it was just like, well, do we stay here and do it here or do we, you know, do we go and, and do it in Taiwan? And, and I think that at the end of the day, it just what really made the difference was, like he said, just watching our children on their iPads, not being able to go outside, not being able to see their friends, not being able to go to school and thinking, you know what, if school even goes back, they can't go because I can't catch COVID in the midst of, of going through chemotherapy. So, you know, we needed, I, it was just like, we, we have to, we have to go, we have to get out of here. So yeah. I don't know if that answered a question. It I'm did. I'm kind of rambling. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> did you have anything to add, Wally? No, I've, I've been, I've been impressed at how Dina has dealt with kind of the double whammy. I mean, it's cancer and COVID. And at that time we had, you know, the social unrest, we had protests and fires, that man-made fires, and then we had natural fires in California. I mean, it was, it was, it was a four, four things happening yeah. in California. So I, was, I, I mean, I was very impressed that Dina was able to deal with it all so, you know, well and reasonably. Good job. I mean, it's definitely, actually, even though we've been married for, uh, 15, 16, how long have we been married? Yeah. No, we've only been married 
13 years, 14, 15, 15 years. Oh my God. 14 years, something like that. Um, 14. 14. But we've been together like 17 years or something like that. But it's actually made us closer. I mean, the last year, I would definitely say we've become closer. We actually fight less. <laughs> We fight last now. Do you want to fight about that? <laughs> I think having a common enemy always helps. It's yeah. like cancer and COVID. We've got a couple there. You can choose from, right? Yeah. I have to ask, because both of you obviously have a background in musical theater, as I established at the beginning of this interview. What music has helped bring you through this time? Our son loves to sing. You know, we had a... We had the wonderful experience towards the beginning of the pandemic where we did uh, a family performance where the four of us sang together for a, a fundraiser for a nursing home that both Dina's grandparents had been at. Mm-hmm. And that was an amazing musical experience for us. <laughs> and any plans for uh, your future time in Taiwan? I mean, there's so many places that we haven't visited um, that we haven't, you know, in previous trips, we haven't had the opportunity to go to go explore, so I'm hoping to get to some of those, like um, Hualien and um, Taroko. Um, we're gonna go to Kaohsiung for our friend's 50th birthday. We won't mention any names. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else are we gonna do? I don't know. I've Tainan. heard that Tai Taichung is. is <laughs> Our kids and my family, we go to Tainan all the time because that's where my family's from. And we always go, go sweeping the tombs. My kids are like, oh, my gosh, again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you get to light incense. They're like, woo, light incense. And they Fire. get excited. <laughs> yeah. Fire starter. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think we'd love to do a con- We've been talking about maybe doing a concert here, maybe a fundraiser for the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a great way for us to kind of give back. I think we we feel so fortunate um, for what how welcoming you know the yeah. people of Taiwan have been, and I think we want to be able to give back some way. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, it's you know it's great to hear your personal experience um, and the things that you've gone through to get here and where you are today. And of course, we wish both of you the best of health uh, in the coming weeks and years. Thank you, thank Andrew. You, thank you. So again, I've been speaking with uh, Dina Morishita and Wally Yang about their experiences moving from the United States to Taiwan. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste and the destination the 1920s. To the north of Taipei is a scenic building with spaces available for artistic and cultural events to rent out. For a fee, you can arrange to get your wedding photos taken here too. From the outside, the official English name of this place, the Grass Mountain Chateau, may seem a bit overwrought. You certainly won't find any of the stone towers or vineyards you'd associate with a chateau here. But while low-key, the building does sit in one of Taiwan's most beautiful spots, 
on the misty and hot spring-filled flanks of Yangming Mountain. And while there are few signs of it today, the chateau was once deemed fit for royalty and has hosted some of the most important figures of Taiwan's modern history. Here with me to introduce the chateau and its important guests is Lu Guobin, the site's director. Grass Mountain is an old name for what's now the area around Yangming Mountain. This area is a complex of high mountains on Taiwan's northern tip that towers over what's now the city of Taipei. Covered in many places with grass-like bamboo, shrouded through much of the year in clouds, and marked in places with sulfurous vents, the dormant volcanic hills here would be pretty enough on their own. But Mr. Lu says the area also had some economic importance. During the early 1920s, when Taiwan was under Japanese colonial rule, the Colonial Sugar Company used land here to put up the chateau. Admittedly, most of Taiwan's sugar industry was concentrated in the sunny, tropical south. But the north had its own sugar factories, and this area could still support its share of sugarcane fields. In 1923, it was decided that the future Showa Emperor, then Crown Prince of Japan, would pay a visit to Taiwan. A royal visit like this was highly unusual. Across Taiwan, there was a need to find suitable spots where he could rest as he made his way around the island. Mr. Lu says that sites related to the valuable sugar industry on Taiwan were important objectives of the Crown Prince's tour. He says it's for this reason that Grass Mountain was on the Crown Prince's itinerary. The Grass Mountain Chateau, then just a sugarcane company building, was certainly not a proper imperial palace. But the building would do for a royal visit. It had, and still has, a simple, elegant Japanese flavor. There are long wood-floored corridors, white plaster and wood trimmings, and a glass-paned exterior in places held in a wooden lattice. Instead of glass, you could easily imagine it covered over with thin paper. It's impossible to know for sure how long the crown prince stayed. Mr. Liu says that according to some contemporary accounts, he left after just two hours here. For a time, the place quieted down. No more royals would stay here after the crown prince left. But the place would continue to attract some important people. In 1945, with the end of World War II, Japanese rule over Taiwan ended, and Chiang Kai-shek's Republic of China assumed control in its place. Though based across the Taiwan Strait and far off Nanjing at first, Chiang and his government were forced to retreat to Taiwan in 1949 in the face of Chinese communist advance. Chiang and his wife chose this place as their first home on Taiwan, though hoping still to one day retake the mainland. It is for this reason that the chateau bills itself as Taiwan's first presidential office. 
It served as the presidential headquarters even before the colonial Japanese governor's office in Taipei was put to that use. This first home was pretty, of course, but it had its strategic advantages too. For one thing, the chateau had a commanding view over the Taipei Basin below. From this high point, it overlooks the meeting point of the Keelung and Danshui rivers, as well as the Guandu Plain and the distant Guanyin Mountain. This was, of course, a temporary home for the Changs, but Mr. Lu says that even once Chang had been resettled into more permanent accommodation, the chateau continued to have important uses. The first, of course, was as a vacation spot for the Changs themselves, especially during the summer months when Taipei down below sweltered. The second was as a place for government meetings on affairs of state. A number of important meetings on policy and reform were apparently held within these walls over the years. The third use was as a place for hosting important guests. It was these three functions that the site continued to serve until 1975, the year of Chang's death. From then on, the place was sealed off, with most of the objects inside eventually taken away. Some local people tell of nearby children sneaking onto the grounds for an adventure. But strictly speaking, the site was off-limits, with only some military police around to guard it. It stayed off-limits for a long time, until 2003, well after Taiwan's transition from single-party rule and martial law to democracy. Even then, as the site was repurposed to host artistic and cultural events, it was only partially open to the public. Mr. Liu says that the chateau had already been declared a historic site by 2007 when an overnight fire ripped through the building. The destruction was severe, and it took 14 months of repair work to restore what had been there before. But, Mr. Liu estimates, what remains now is still 90% intact. He says the fact that it's a historic site does make repairs more difficult. Any project to fix damage requires permission ahead of time, and so you'll find some places with cracks, water stains, and other damage. Overall, though, Mr. Liu says, it's in good shape. Today, the rebuilt chateau has once again returned to serving as a space for the arts. There are regular, even monthly exhibitions, including an ongoing showcase of paintings by a local art professor. This is a sensible use for an old building like this. The natural surroundings up on the mountainside serve to bring out the beauty of the works on display even more. Still, to get through into the building's layers of history and to learn about the important figures that have stayed here, you'll need to book a tour. For groups of 20 or more, they are available. Uh, 
Though the crown prince left relatively few traces, you can get an especially clear picture of how the Changs once lived here. Though now put to other uses, the old bedrooms and studies of both Chang and his wife are preserved, as is the space they once used for entertaining guests. Beyond the art, the wedding photos, and the cafe, this is a place that can give an intimate glimpse into the closed-off private world of major historical figures, if you know where to look. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through time. The Sound of the Amis Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. This is Highlights brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. saw China get more aggressive with both Hong Kong and Taiwan. In Hong Kong, Chinese officials introduced a harsh national security law. Meanwhile, China has ramped up incursions into Taiwanese airspace and waters. Thailand also got pulled into the mix because Chinese netizens were upset that a Thai influencer said she was emulating a distinctly Taiwanese style. China doesn't like it when Taiwan is referred to as its own entity in any way. Internet users from Taiwan, Thailand, and Hong Kong banded together online to form the Milk Tea Alliance to resist Chinese pressure. Thailand, Taiwan, and Hong Kong have banded together and formed the Milk Tea Alliance. The name comes from a mutual like for milk tea with each place having their own distinct interpretation of the beverage. The Milk Tea Alliance started as a unified pushback against Chinese netizens, but since then it's evolved into something much more than that. It's caught the attention of Hong Kong activist Joshua Wong, and even the Ministry of Foreign Affairs put hashtag Milk Tea Partnership in a post commemorating a face mask donation to Thailand. When Taoyuan City Mayor Tsun Wenchan donated medical equipment to Thailand, they celebrated the occasion by drinking milk tea. The Taiwanese officials drank Thai milk tea, and the Thai officials drank Taiwanese milk tea. Isn't that beautiful? The art surrounding the Milk Tea Alliance is absolutely adorable. You have beverages turned into cartoons or straight-up humanized versions of milk tea from each country. Twitter user SadSadPotato posted this image. This is a flag, apparently, of the Milk Tea Alliance with different colors representing the milk teas from the different parts of the alliance. The Milk Tea Alliance turned out to be one of our most popular hashtag segments. Other countries like the Philippines and India also expressed interest in joining the alliance. Plenty of tea to go around, I say.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kHz. In South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw. 